We'll now have our Bible reading. The reading is taken from Mark's Gospel, chapter 8, verses 27 to 38. Jesus went on with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi, and on the way he asked his disciples, Who do people say I am? And they answered him, John the Baptist, and others, Elijah, and still others, one of the prophets. He asked them, But who do you say that I am? Peter answered him, You are the Messiah. And he sternly ordered them not to tell anyone about him. Then he began to teach them that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again. He said all this quite openly. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and looking at his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. He called the crowd with his disciples and said to them, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. For what will it profit them to gain the whole world and forfeit their life? Indeed, what can they give in return for their life? Those who are ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of them the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Shall we pray together? Lord, may my mouth speak wisdom and the meditation of my heart bring understanding to awaken our hearts, expand our minds and shape our identity in you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Over the past 11 months, some words have taken on greater meaning. It's not that they're new words. The word I'm thinking about has been in the dictionary a long time. It's more the definition expands beyond its existing scope to become synonymous with the times we are living through. This word has been trending through the corridors of power from governments to national corporations. It's been hashtagging exponentially on news feeds and social media platforms. It's even entered the vocabulary of the church and maybe found it being spoken from your lips. It's the word pivot. 
Through this pandemic, the word pivot has been asked in the form of a question which can apply to all contexts of life, family relationships and friendships, your work life and the corporate world, your personal life, even your spiritual life. For many being able to answer this question successfully, can we pivot, has been life-changing. And you'll never go back to your old ways again. Jesus too knew how much power there could be in asking a single question. He knew how asking a question could be the key to pivoting, to unlocking transformation in your life. It's why therefore we've been looking at four of these questions over recent weeks and seeing how life-changing they were for those to which they were originally addressed. In the same way, the questions Jesus asked brought life change for those in their original context. So likewise, by how we answer these same questions, Jesus can equally enable you to pivot spiritually, to unveil a new chapter and change the trajectory of your life. In fact, of all of the questions Jesus asked, today's question is the one by which how we answer it, your whole life pivots So here's the scene before us. Jesus and his disciples are traveling from Galilee in northern Israel and they're going even further north to the area of Caesarea Philippi which sits at the southwestern base of Mount Hermon. And as they're walking, Jesus begins a conversation with, yes, you've guessed it, a question to his disciples, which goes something similar to this. When you hear people talk about me, what do they say? Or to be more precise, who do they say I am? There's a common consensus to the disciples' response, which had been heard also in a previous response. It centers upon this idea of Jesus being a prophet. Maybe it was James who said, some say that you're John the Baptist. And then maybe John says, well, some say you're Elijah. And then maybe Thomas, another of the disciples, say, well, they say you're one of the great prophets of the Old Testament. Now, in case you've forgotten or you aren't aware, last year when we looked at this series on the Old Testament prophets, we defined the role of the prophet like this that the role of the prophet was to stand in the gap and provide a map to God for the people by their messages, by their actions, and by their prayers. In essence, prophets acted as a hinge or a pivot. From what the people had seen to date and could articulate about Jesus, they thought that Jesus should be in that same category. He ticked all the boxes of the criteria for being a great and worthy prophet. For instance, we read that when it came to Jesus' messages, the people were astounded at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. We read when it came to Jesus' actions, they were equally amazed, whether from casting out demons to healing the blind, the lame and the sick. We read when it came to Jesus' prayers, The people heard and felt his father's presence. And so now Jesus returns with a second question. If the first was general, the second is personal to those on that walk. Now, no more what others think, but what you think. Who do you say 
I am. It's Peter as he frequently found himself who becomes the group spokesman once more. If nothing else because he was better at opening his mouth first. For the disciples, they too had been equally astounded at Jesus' messages. But they'd also been privileged to learn from the everyday conversations with him in private. The disciples too had been amazed by Jesus' actions, having seen some spectacular private demonstrations, the calming of the storm, Jesus' walking on the water. The disciples too had felt the power of Jesus' prayers, so much so that they'd asked for private lessons from Jesus on how to pray, because in their experience, nobody prayed like him. So on behalf of them all, Peter declares what Mark had said at the very beginning of his gospel and Jesus will only finally say at the end, you are the Messiah. To use the Messiah word in those days, it was kind of like pouring oxygen on on an open fire. It was explosive and incendiary. It would attract attention and invited opposition. But this wasn't why Jesus told them not to tell anyone as yet it was not the right time there was still work to do which was to begin immediately with challenging and correcting Jesus' closest followers about what it meant to be the Messiah in case you don't know Messiah is a Hebrew word I'm sure we all know the corresponding Greek word is Christ both words mean the anointed one or the special one. To the Jews, and remember the disciples were Jews, from the Old Testament scriptures and from other ancient documents, they believed the Messiah would be the Son of God. He would be God's anointed king from the royal line of David, who amongst other great achievements would destroy Israel's pagan enemies and free them from occupation of their land. So when Jesus then outlines next how he will be rejected and be killed before rising again, it's, it's all too much for Peter and for Peter read the rest of the disciples to come to terms with. The Messiah suffering greatly, no. The Messiah being rejected, what? The Messiah being killed, surely not. This isn't how the script is meant to go. But Jesus is outlining this is exactly how the story will go. And what follows is a stern rebuke for Peter and the rest of the disciples to get in line. In many ways, Peter's reaction is typical of the healing of the blind man in two stages in the previous story. Peter saw something, but he had not yet understood everything. And as we know, for Peter, this dawning would still take some time to arrive as Peter would also find out Jesus' question only becomes pivotal it only becomes life changing when it isn't so much answered by words which can be cheap but it's declared in our actions which raises the bar to new heights it's only when you respond with your mouth you are the Messiah and declare it with your actions it leads you to pivot and a life-changing experience. So Jesus then 
concludes by outlining not only for the disciples' benefit, but now for the watching world as well, what this life change looks like to declare him as the Messiah. It means to pivot and follow him, whoever we are, in whatever we face and wherever we're sent. It's a call to answer the question which is open to all, whoever we are. It's a call to answer the question and to think beyond ourselves in whatever situation. It's a call to answer the question and no matter what the cost, go wherever we're sent. Jesus said, if any want to be my followers, let them deny themselves. What does it mean to deny oneself? Well, as some of you will know, since the start of the new year, I've given up chocolate. It's now day 45. I'm not saying I'm counting. You could say, in one sense, I've been denying myself. But what Jesus is calling for in self-denial is on a different level altogether from giving up chocolate. It's not the denial of something to the self, but the denial of the self itself. In its original Greek context, it means to refuse to be guided by one's own interests and to, and to surrender control of one's destiny. What Jesus is thus asking for is a radical abandonment of our own identity and self-determination. It's the extreme opposite and radically countercultural to the Western philosophy today that says it's all about me. When we respond to Jesus' question in the way that he expects, it's not all about me. And you'll pivot. It will be life-changing for you. Jesus said, if any want to be my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross. What does it mean to take up your cross? Does it mean to endure hardship patiently and accept discomfort? Definitely. Does it mean more than this? Absolutely. Does it mean to join Jesus on the way to execution? Of course. Does it mean the, the possibility of literal death for me? Well, yes, but maybe not likely where we're living, but many have and still do today. Jesus said, if any want to be my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. When we respond in this way to this question of Jesus, to borrow another metaphor in the Bible, we run with perseverance the race set before us. All of us, whoever we are, we all have a different race to run following Jesus. But we all follow him down the same path to be ready to share in the same fate, even carrying our own cross. The answer to the question, who do you say I am, is never to be taken lightly. Words can be cheap. For many, it's one of come and die. Yes to self, and yes for so many often, to a life of persecution. As Jesus goes on to say, for those who want to save their life will lose it. 
And those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. For what will it profit them to gain the whole world and forfeit their life? Indeed, what can they give in return for their life? One thinks of Richard Wurmbrandt, an atheist who answered Jesus' question and became a pastor in Romania and for whom words would mean nothing living through the era of the brutal Ceausescu totalitarian government. As a result, it was by his actions his life changed and it led him to be imprisoned and tortured for 17 years, many in solitary confinement. He was once asked what he'd learned from those 17 years. He said, well, I've forgotten most of my Bible, but there are three things I know. There is a God. Jesus is his son, the Messiah. And love is the best way. A love those first apprentices saw being demonstrated as Jesus, the Messiah, hung on the cross he carried to save the world. Still today, those who've answered this question, who do you say I am? With a response, you are the Messiah, suffer. The most persecuted group in the world today, irrespective of race, irrespective of gender, irrespective of sexuality, irrespective of religion, is the follower of Jesus Christ. Maybe as many as 300 million people today. One thinks of Dr. Sasser, who was in St. Juan again only 15 months ago, and who answered that question of Jesus and who's overcome repeated adversity in his life to found the pioneering and life-changing work of health and hope in the villages of Myanmar and who's now had to flee the country following the recent coup by the military there. One thinks of the American missionary Jim Elliott and his four friends who answered Jesus' question and went to the jungle in Ecuador having heard those words and were savagely martyred by Aucar Indians. Perhaps Jim Elliott's most famous quote based on Jesus' words here is apt. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. All the questions. Do you now see why this is the most life changing? Your life cannot fail to pivot if you respond by declaring him as the Messiah. In closing, many choose to answer Jesus' question Who do you say I am? the easy way. They respond as many did in the Bible and have throughout the centuries and still today by saying, Jesus is a great prophet. But even men like Gandhi and Muhammad would say the same and it didn't cause them to pivot. And it won't lead to life change for you. It was C.S. Lewis who said it best about this question to take it seriously. We can only respond in one of four ways. Because Jesus never intended to be a, a great prophet or a wonderful moral teacher. Either Jesus was a liar. In other words, he wasn't the Messiah. Or he was a a lunatic. In other words, he was mad for suggesting he was the Messiah. Or he was a a legend. In other words, he was made up, but the evidence for Jesus' existence is insurmountable and the evidence for what he says in the Gospels is beyond anything found not only from those days, but at least 15 centuries afterwards, maybe longer. Or he really was who he claimed to be. 
the Lord, the Messiah. It's only when we respond in this way by declaring him the Messiah of our life. Your life changes. Now you know this. Are you ready to pivot? Shall we pray together? Jesus Christ, our risen Lord, may we run with perseverance the race set before us, with our eyes firmly on you, the Messiah. May we follow your example to deny ourselves, to take up our cross and to follow you down the path you ask. In your name we pray. Amen.